Hi listeners, I'm Alana. I'm a life coach for people with ADHD. You're listening to the Absolutely ADHD podcast where we chat about understanding our ADHD, sharing tips and strategies, all while celebrating our amazing yet pretty chaotic brains. Thanks so much for being here and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi listeners. Hi Sam. How are you? I miss you. I'm good. I miss you. You're at home this week. Yeah, I um, live in Kansas City. Well, I'm from Kansas City and I came home to visit my family and then they told me that they were leaving. So I saw them for eight hours and then they left and took my dog. So no. it's really fun. So maybe some alone time. <laughs> Might yeah, be nice. I guess. Like some quiet time, I guess, right? Trying yeah, to think of the positives here. <laughs> A nice spiritual retreat in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> so in case the sound quality is a bit different, it is because I did not pack our 25-pound microphone in my carry-on. Um, so just bear with us. But you can yeah. still hear my gorgeous voice through my AirPods. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, no fancy mic. Those things are kind of, why are they so heavy? <laughs> They're so heavy. Like it's ridiculous. But for some reason, I feel like heaviness equates to good quality, which probably isn't true, but in my mind, it makes sense. So the heavier, the better. Makes sense to me. Yeah, good. We're, <laughs> we're fantastic with technology. Amazing. We're really, yep. <laughs> um, so this week we thought that we would do something a little different for you guys. And Alana went through and made a short list of her most common questions that she gets from listeners. And yeah, there's some really great, understandable painful, honest questions on there that we just wanted to talk through with you guys. Yeah, definitely. I think that was, um, I, I think I wanted to do this a little bit earlier, but I kept thinking, I was like, oh, well, this topic's good. Oh, well, this topic's good. Oh, we, God. Do. we do this so, every week too. We really do. So um, the first thing, actually, this isn't a question. It's just something that I wanted to share. Um, the question that I had asked to listeners was, you know, share some of the things that you're struggling with, with your ADHD. And the first one I got was everything, LOL. I'm just a ball of random stuff inside my head. And so I just simply wanted to add this in because literally same, like, so are we, it, that's so valid. Like, I can't tell you, sometimes I'll text Alana out of the blue and be like the endless stream that's happening inside my head at all times, just like bumbling voices, recipes, going through every single mistake I've ever made in my entire life. Every it's conversation. Constant. Oh God, every interview that I said the wrong thing in front of, I mean, at all times, it's exhausting. It is exhausting inside our chaotic brains. So that's the first thing just to kick it off. Not a question, simply just here to say same. And I know yeah. like I get to read your guys' messages and a lot of people feel the exact same way. So we're right there with you. Well, um, this is a really good segue to the first question. Yeah. So I'll just read it and then we can have a little chat. So it is, I think I have ADHD. Why would I want to find out? What would I do with the information? What a good I think this is, can be broke. Obviously, this can be broken down into two things. But first, I want to say that's such a good observation and a really valid fear to have. You think that you have something, but what what would what benefit would you get from someone confirming that, and then also confirming all of the basket of 
other issues that come with knowing that you have ADHD, you know? Yeah, totally. So the first thing I want to say and acknowledge is that I recognize that not everyone is able to get these types of resources, get a diagnosis, all that stuff. It's really difficult. So for me personally, like as an ADHD coach, I don't require an ADHD diagnosis to work with my clients. Um, but I also, this is a really, really common question and it's twofold. So one thing that I think is really important is the validation piece of it. So knowing that there is an explanation for a lot of the things that we struggle with can be extremely like healing and empowering and almost, I think a lot of, a lot of the things that we struggle with, sometimes it's like, well, we know this is an issue, but like, what can we do about it? Totally. What's so great about having that diagnosis is that it confirms things and it makes us kind of feel like, okay, we know this for sure. Now we can kind of look into more action steps, like moving forward. The second part of that is that it does provide different access to resources. So whether that looks like, you know, work accommodations, school accommodations, access to medication, all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I do get a really common question I get is people are like, well, I don't know if I want to be on medication, what's the benefit? And so that's where I say there's all these other benefits, right? Like being able to know what we struggle with and being able to kind of just recognize that there's, you know, a ton of resources out there online and names for the things that we struggle with. So that's kind of my, I mean, and I'll just go through this really briefly, like my journey with coming here. So I've always had anxiety and depression. Like I've known that since I was early, early high school. And what something I was always very cognizant of is that people would say you have anxiety as if like this was something, a burden that I had to shoulder and carry with me, you know, like it's part of who I am. But I've learned recently to reframe that as I'm anxious in this situation, not I have anxiety, so I'm going to have to deal with this. But this particular situation makes me feel anxious. And so like, I feel a lot of the time that people are fearful of looking for a diagnosis for something, because automatically, it's going to feel like this inescapable, terrible thing that's been dropped in your lap. And now you're going to have to weave it into the patchwork of your life. And, you know, but it doesn't have to be like that. So I never... I never got formal ADHD testing and I was put on ADHD medication for a little bit and, you know, it was helpful in some areas of my life and not helpful in other areas of my life. But through that, I was able to create a relationship with a psychiatrist and a therapist. And I've been able to target the work that I've been doing on myself in a much more direct way. You know what I mean? Like, and knowing that ADHD might play a large role in what I'm dealing with. I mean, it hasn't like changed any of my behavior, but it is so much easier for me to find tips and tricks, you know, and it gives me a community and we all need a community. Yeah, definitely. And working in mental health, I think it's also really important to acknowledge that people with ADHD do struggle with substance use, things like challenges in certain relationships and friendships and family, um, more at risk for unemployment, things like that. So you know, I think the more that we can kind of reach out and have support to help us navigate these things as we're going through it, to feel validated, to understand what's going on in our brains, 
all that stuff. And that level of support looks so different, right? There's yeah. therapy, there's coaching, there's online resources, there's community, there's so many things. So yeah. Yeah. All righty. So moving on, the next one we have is why does it feel like anxiety, OCD, and depression are all related? This, Such a good question. And I giggle because they are. <laughs> yeah, this is a really good question. Um, so 50% of people with ADHD also have a co-occurring condition. So in the past, people or researchers were saying it was kind of a standalone thing and it's not anymore. Like the newest research is showing that 50% is a lot. And I'm going to put some links in the description too, if you guys want to read more about that, but that includes, you know, depression, anxiety, OCD, um, uh, and other neurological disorders, right? So some, some of the time that just occurred, those two occur together, but then also these can occur as a result of ADHD. Oh yeah. So like, like constant. My anxiety makes me depressed and my depression gives me anxiety. Right. And then a lot of, especially, you know, undiagnosed or unacknowledged ADHD can cause, I mean, we know ADHD in general can cause a lot of like frustration. And a lot of us have been, you know, told different things in school and other things about, oh, why can't you just do this? Why can't you just do that? Um, so we know that it can also occur because of our, our ADHD. Yeah. So I think that's just important to acknowledge that that is a thing that is a statistic and you're not alone. There's a lot of stuff going on in our brains, a lot of challenges, a lot of things we're working through. And so that makes a lot of sense for people who feel like, why is this just so many other things that I'm dealing with? So the third question was, why do I forget something I was doing a second ago and end up in a different room? <laughs> I do that I, all the time. I do that all the time. I feel like a Sims character. Like I'll be standing <laughs> in a room and I'm like looking around and I'm like, I came in here for a reason. Why? Like, why did I come in here? Um, so actually, I was really excited to share this one because there's something called the doorway effect, which is a scientific like phenomenon where when you go through a doorway, especially with like a really, you know, busy, overactive mind, um, our brain kind of compartmentalizes the thoughts that we were having in that last room and like no way in that last room especially when we have a ton of other things we're thinking about right this is like yeah. we have really 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 busy brains and then are like thinking about a million things all the time so yeah look at I'll, I'll leave another link to that doorway phenomenon because I think it's like so interesting but it makes yeah, a lot that of sense is right yeah, I mean, it's that age-old meme of, like, someone opening the fridge, looking, seeing nothing, sitting down, opening the fridge five <laughs> minutes ago as if something new and magical has reappeared, you know, <laughs> and it's just, like, and I also wonder, you're so right, it's such a busy brain thing, and even if I make a mental effort to be, like, okay, I'm gonna remember this, I don't always remember it, and it does get me in trouble a lot with friends and family and stuff, so, you know, just reminding yourself, it's okay. Nothing. And if, if it were really, 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 really important, you probably wouldn't forget it. And even if it was really important and you forgot it, like, that's okay. That's too. okay too. <laughs> and um, something else that I know that helps people is like going back and doing the thing that you were doing a second ago to kind yeah. of like rejog your brain. I know for me, even last night, like I looked up something and I was like, okay, I want to, I had a thought of something I wanted to do or look up. And I switched tabs. Like I was then on Instagram 
And I was like, oh my gosh, what was that thing I was about to do? Oh my God. And that it, I was able all the time. Yeah, it was crazy. And so I was able to actually remember just by going back to that last tab I was on and I was, and I had the same exact thought pattern. I was like, you know, the same exact like steps of thought happened in like the second time in a row. And I was like, oh, you know, what's so funny is that most of the time when we're editing this and you guys hear like that, we've obviously cut something out. It's because we've lost our train of thought in the middle of the sentence. Yep. Yep. All the time. Literally every time I open my mouth, I'm like, am I going to get to the end of the sentence? I don't know. It's a journey and we'll figure it out together. Yeah. You said, um, while we were doing last episode, you were like, if we did a perfectly, like a perfect episode with no issues, no like things we had to edit out, then we probably shouldn't have an ADHD podcast. And that's so true. (laughs) Yeah. So if it feels like we're cutting a lot of stuff out I just want you guys to know we are and it's the most useless rambling oh I forgot what I was saying do you remember what I was saying you know it's so funny yeah because we don't do this with a script which is good because we get a lot of honest genuine connection but the downside to not doing it with a script is it's really chaotic yeah sometimes when I try and follow a script or when I'm trying to like hit every single point that actually makes my brain go into like overdrive and I blank so that's another like ADHD thing is like you know especially with taking notes I'm working on that too I'm like all right it doesn't have to be word for word every single thing it can just be kind of the main points all that stuff so it's yeah it's it's fun um the next question I think is super interesting because it is I feel like we don't really talk about this side of ADHD that much, but it's how to, how do I approach my doctor for a diagnosis? My thoughts for this one is you want to be super intentional with what you're going in for. So making an appointment specifically yeah. to discuss ADHD symptoms, right? This isn't something that we just want to like throw in, in another appointment, right? Like this is the purpose. This yeah. is going into it with intention. Um, and this is also, I just want to acknowledge, this is scary. Like this, I recognize. Terrifying. Yeah, this is, this is really scary. So it's, um, and it's overwhelming. We want to go into the appointment with real life examples about yeah. the ways that these impact our daily life. That's super, super important. Yeah. And I just want to say, if you feel like you don't get the answer that makes you comfortable, do not stop there. Not every doctor has the same opinion. And it's really important if you don't feel comfortable with the information that they're giving you, get a second, get a third, get a fourth opinion. Like there's no limit to how overly cautious you can be about your mental state. I'm going to share in the description a really amazing creator. I'm sure you guys have seen her save time. Shan, she has specific content on like um, dialogue and like examples, us ADHDers, we really need examples sometimes of like ways to approach it with your doctor and things like that. Like what to actually say, what to say if someone feels like they're kind of undermining what you're saying, all that stuff. So I just think that's so really helpful. important to mention. Yeah. Really like hit the nail on the head, Sam, like with what you said about just like seeking another opinion and stuff. I think we know ourselves more than anyone else. We know what's going on inside of our brains. So sometimes we have to really push. We have to be our own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. You said, you said that so well. So. Yeah. Okay. So the next question, how can I stay consistent with the behavior changes I want to make? I feel like we touched on this 
so much because it is such a real struggle. You know, you can have all of the information and have such a good game plan. And then you get through one day of it and you feel great. And then you wake up the next day and you don't feel great and you don't feel like you want to do it. Yeah. I think the main thing that a lot of us run into with this is we're simply just trying to do too much at once. Like we're trying to do everything at once. And I get it. Like, believe me, I get the urge to like all of a sudden, like one day, you know, we have high highs and low lows. And sometimes we have those days where we're like, this is the day, like I'm going to get my entire life together and I'm going to, and I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change my sleep schedule. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. It's like everything at once. And yes, that's like, we want to like, kind of listen to what our body wants and what our body's asking for, but we want to challenge ourselves to approach it in like yeah. slow, achievable way. And it's not overnight. So my quick suggestion for this is don't let consistency like work against you. Right. Like, and we talked about that in one episode, like it's, it doesn't have to be perfectly consistent or nothing. It can be big yeah. steps. In fact, for us, that's what works, right? We have to just kind of focus on a couple of things, identify a few things that you really want to focus on today or this week and focus on making, you know, small steps and really, you know, writing those things down. There's so many great like habit trackers or like journal, little things that we can kind of use as a reminder, because again, out of sight, out of mind. So sometimes mm-hmm. we're like, you know, we get frustrated and then it's like, wait, we actually did this thing maybe four times out of the whole weekend. Yeah. That's a huge win. Yeah. I mean, I just, you said it all. I just want to add that remind yourself that even though the steps feel really small, you're already miles ahead than you were the day before when you weren't doing it. You know, like if you, if your goal is to be healthy, have healthier sleeping habits, you're like, okay, I need to work out during the day. I need to eat right. I need to go to bed early. I need to wake up early, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you just start with waking up 10 minutes early? And if you do that for a week, you are miles ahead of where you were the week before. Even though you didn't do the 20 things that you set out to, you did the one. And then it's easier to add on another thing. Totally. And on top of that, also recognizing that like, we need to sometimes go back and adjust those expectations. Like I'm trying to think of one example, but like, all right, if we're starting, let's say we're working on like getting up, like pushing ourselves to get up earlier or something, but then maybe we're having a really tough week because of something personal that's keeping us up way later at night. Sometimes it's okay to be like, you know what? I need this full eight hours to make myself functional the next day. So maybe this isn't the best week for me to try and wake up at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m., you know? Yeah, we have this such a big problem with all or nothing thinking. And what I'm trying really hard to do now, it's a mantra that they say in my yoga class, be, be, start to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because I've already recognized for me that the way I approach implementing new habits is, is the incorrect way of doing it. You know, I feel like if I don't go all in 100%, it's not worth doing it. And I've realized through these conversations that we have, that that's not the right way that I'm going to start implementing change. And it's uncomfortable for me to do it the correct way, the way that's helpful. But if I'm uncomfortable to a certain extent, that's good. You know, it's growth. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, second to last question. Um, why do I do everything except for what I need to do? I mean, when I have to do something, it's because it's important. And then I put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. I watch TV 
and I clean the house and I do other things. I mean, I have no idea why I do that. Yeah, I think this really goes into kind of understanding how our brains work and why we are sometimes drawn towards certain things. And a lot of that has to do with like dopamine and, you know, sometimes also because our brains are constantly seeking out dopamine, we aren't choosing things based on importance. We're choosing things based on what gives us dopamine in that moment, Yeah, which makes our reward system like all like so different than, you know, someone without ADHD. So I think this is where that like education and awareness piece really does come in because it's like, how can we even start to address something until we're like, all right, why am I craving this? Why am I doing this? You know, so that we can recognize that. I feel like we touched on this like a long time ago, like a handful of episodes ago, but it's, you'll feel that dopamine after you do the task. But what ADHD brains thrive on is the immediate dopamine. So even though you logically know, I've been putting this off, causing me a lot of anxiety. I know if I get it done, I'll feel better. But you don't want to wait for the delayed gratification, you know? So I think that you're so right. It's such a, it's such, it's a cliche because it's true. It's mindfulness. You just have to be mindful of it. And you have to remind yourself, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, I like to make a mental note of when I have a positive reaction to doing something. So like I do a task and I get that dopamine from finishing the task. I like to think, okay, remember this for the next time that you get in this situation, because you have proof that what you're doing, that doing the thing that you're putting off will make you feel better and it'll get easier. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a perfect segue into the other, our last question. Um, Yeah. Do you want to read it? Uh, yeah, I love this last question because it hits it hits me where I live, which are in the emotions. Um, how do I keep from upsetting my friends and family when my symptoms manifest? The reason that I think this goes together is because, again, we have to know what's going on before anything else. We have to understand our symptoms. We have to understand yeah. what's going on so that we can be an advocate for ourselves and communicate that better, right? We can't expect people to read our minds. And this is a challenge. This, it just is, you know, it's really difficult, but if we don't even know what's going on, how can we expect, you know, the other people around us to understand? What's yeah, going on? exactly. And I think I read, I read this article about someone who was struggling with addiction and their relationship, their marriage, and how looking from the outside, even within the marriage, the spouse that wasn't struggling with addiction was like, well, why can't you just go to therapy? Why can't you just do this? Like do one thing to give me some comfort that you understand how, what you're going through, you know? And it's like, it's difficult because this type of stuff, when you don't have a great handle on it, and I don't think any of us will ever have a perfect handle on everything that's going on. It's incredibly isolating. And so for me, when my symptoms manifest, a lot of it looks like me pulling away. And I will tell you guys, you know, Alana and I have struggled with that in our friendship over the course of 10 years. You know, sometimes one of us will be super invested and present and the other won't be. And it's hard to not think that it's your fault, like you're doing something wrong. And I mean, for me, I remember last during the pandemic, there was a period of like three months where I was like, I felt very attached to you. And I was like, I want to know what's going on all the time. And then something happened in my life where the next period, the next 
phase of however many months, it was reversed. And I feel like you and I, because we both understood what's going on with us internally, it makes it a lot easier to have those conversations and to like be more understanding. Yeah, no, that's, it's so true. And it's a challenge. We'll definitely do a whole episode on this. We should. Um, This is such a good conversation for us to have too, because I'm such like a self-love, like I, like I'm so obsessed. Like I'm so good at that. Like we have to work on ourselves before we can explain these things to the people around us. I think the only thing that's saved us in our friendship, I mean, besides a mutual love and respect and blah, 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 all the wonderful stuff about having a best friend. But the thing that has saved us the most has been honest conversation. You know, sometimes we don't get it. You know, Alana says something to me and I don't get it. And it makes me angry or I don't understand where she's coming from. But the fact that we're able to sit down and even talk about it in the first place, I mean, that is seriously what's saved us. And look, if someone doesn't want to you know when someone doesn't want to understand what you're talking about you know and it can be hard but maybe it's a sign that the path that you're on and the person that you want to be doesn't align with the person that you were and just like shedding old habits you might shed some relationships and that's not it's painful but it's not always a bad thing all of that to say I just think it's really important who we surround ourselves with and you know people who are trying to understand us and are, who are supporting us. And that's where our community comes in like this. Yeah. I mean, selfishly, Sam and I, like, this is therapeutic for us. Like, yeah. We really have to just recognize that like that, that shame spiral and like all that stuff. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's anything we no. can quickly fix at all, but we have to be trying to like talk to ourselves in the way that we would talk to our best friends and, and all that yeah. stuff, because that's, that's just a huge part of it. You do owe it to yourself to start parenting yourself and talking to yourself the way that you want, you would talk to your children. And those reframes are so important. I mean, even the small things like, because we know that we can get into those thought spirals of like, oh, why did I do that? Like, I'm such an idiot, da, 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 And how I'm that such an idiot. Us- yeah. <laughs> like, and how that can take us into such a harder place as opposed to like, uh, I'm frustrated with this. What can mm-hmm. I do for myself to make it a little bit easier the next time around? Like that, the smallest reframes really do make a difference. And it takes a lot of time to work on it, but we're here to help you guys. <laughs> I was just about to say, if, to you feel, work on it. if you feel alone and you feel like you're in this shame spiral, send Alana a message and we will tell you that you're not alone. Like if you need us to do that for you, we are here. Oh, you know, like you guys are our community. Let us know if you liked this form of episode and we can do a couple more. I mean, I do think that learning about these new topics is crucial and interesting, but it's also super interesting and insightful to know what the people around you are thinking. And all of these questions came from you. So, yeah. you know, and it's nothing that I haven't thought of 80 times a day forever. So thank you. <laughs> so many times a day. Yeah, honestly. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And yeah, let us know if you have anything you want to learn more about. Any other questions? Like Sam said, we should definitely do like a FAQ part two mm-hmm. um, because there's a million things we could talk about. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Absolutely ADHD podcast. You can find me on Instagram at coachingbyalana, where you can find more ADHD education and all of my tips and tricks. 
Make sure to give us a five-star review, leave a comment, subscribe, like, all that good stuff so that we can continue these chats and help share this information with even more amazing ADHDers. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week.